Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. These past few weeks, we have been digging in and talking about artificial intelligence, education, STEM, STEAM, finding our tech genius. We have also talked about finding our path in how do we take a moment to breathe, take it in, and do one step at a time to try and think through the next few months of surviving the pandemic. Today, we're going to continue our conversation in talking about the innovation, the movement around the technological revolution of robotics. Now, robotics has been a part of our lives for many years, and many of us may not have come into contact with that on a regular basis, but throughout the past decade or so, we have seen robotics become more and more accessible to us on a personal level and even within our businesses. I have the privilege today of speaking with one of the co-founders of RoboBlocks, which I discovered via the powerful network of LinkedIn, and we have quickly become fast friends and partners in looking at how they have developed robotics or robots and in that field of robotics for education. So today we're going to focus on how do we see robotics really helping elevate and providing a new type of learning for children and for adults because let me be honest with you I've ordered a couple of these robots and I'm already tinkering and I am not a tinkerer so I'd love to welcome to the show Nicole Wan who is one is the co-founder of RoboBlocks and she's going to talk to us a bit about what this field of robotics is really about and how they are transforming robotics in the field of education. So, Nicole, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Jones. Thank you very much for having me today. I am thrilled to have you. Would you tell our listeners where you are right now? Oh, okay. So, our company is based in two places, and one uh, headquarter is actually in Shenzhen, and we have office in Hong Kong. Uh, fortunately, these two cities are right next to each other, so it's very easy. And uh, so, that's where I am. I am in Shenzhen, China. That's awesome. So, I, I say that because one of the power one of the powerful pieces of technology is that you and I can have this conversation and record when we're on two different sides of the world. And I just think that's an incredible opportunity and that I've been able to connect with you and your company and what you all are doing. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you ended up into this field um, of the startup world, working in tech and, and moving the concept of robotics forward. But give us a little bit about your journey. Okay, so I have been in the tech world, uh, you know, since my graduation. I worked in different um, industries. I actually, I was in, before I joined Roboblock, I was in uh, Telco. So my former company was a Chicago company. We, we were developing softwares for phones. And then I met Jerry in a, uh, in a trade show. And uh, I think that he's a, 
brilliant guy and uh, he's, he's passionate about DIY and robotics. So we became friends and uh, when, when he decided to uh, build his company, he invited me. So uh, that's my journey to Roblox. And uh, the reason why we are so passionate about this uh, is because, you know, um, we are based in Shenzhen and this city is called the capital city of um, hardwares. We got the most well-developed supply chain uh, in China, and the hardware for uh, hardwares for like uh, electronics, robotics are all here in Shenzhen. And our CEO Jerry, he is a DIY guru, and also he is a robotics lover. So he always thought that uh, the best thing about education is to uh, encourage children to engage in something uh, like you know future uh, future progress. So that's why we wanted to build a company to offer the access or the opportunity for younger children to engage in STEM and robotics to make coding more fun and to teach them something, you know, useful. Yeah, I like that. And I love the concept of DIY, which is uh, very popular in terms of figuring, uh, being able to teach yourself how to do um, the build. I want to back it up just a little bit, though, because we're going to dig in very deep to the RoboBlox um, concept because I'm, I'm really, really thrilled about what you've all have created and developed. But I'd like to know a bit, so you said you started in doing, uh, working for a company that where you, soft, you developed software for phones. Can you yes. tell me a bit about how did you even get excited or start thinking about being in the field of technology when you were um, a young lady or a little girl did did you have access how did you even know that development of software was something you wanted to do or did you know that and it just sort of happened I mean I, you know no I had no idea that I would end up in tech you know I I didn't know my uh, path would lead me here and uh, so it was really by chance that I was lucky enough to uh, find a company that would uh, give me that opportunity. And uh, also because the city that I am in, Shenzhen is a very um, new city and uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, tech companies here. The atmosphere is just very well designed and also very well, uh, very friendly to uh, tech companies or people who wanted to engage in tech. And, uh, you know, uh, in my company, we have more than 50% of female employees. And uh, all of them, you know, uh, are, has been, all of them are very experienced in the tech world. So, um, yeah, I love the fact that I am uh, a female in the tech world and I try to try my best to contribute my part. Yes. Well, I mean, we tend to be, as females, especially in the United States, we are usually the first adopters of new technology as it comes forth because we're, you know, we're excited about what it could, you know, all the new apps and development and pieces of, of software that can make our lives a little bit better. I'm curious, when you were learning to be in this world, I mean, well, to be in the tech world, was there a particular programming language that you found yourself enjoying? Do you sit down and did you teach yourself how to be a programmer? How did you navigate into that world of coding? 
Okay, so I I am not a coder myself. I just got started. I am learning Python, and also you know uh, because uh, our language that we use in the company mainly uh, is Scratch, right? Because mm -hmm. we're teaching kids, so um, it's very interesting. You know, uh, I think coding is very interesting because I consider myself as a very logical person. And you know the entire computer language is based on logic. It's about numbers. It's about logic. It's about you know processing each line after another. So I love it. I just really think that uh, you know to be able to communicate with something like computer is just amazing. It's like magic. You know, I thought the same thing because I didn't grow up being a technologist. You know, I mean, I grew up in the early 90s and, and quite honestly, we did not get a computer in my house until I was in high school. And that even that was a hand-me-down. Okay. And I taught myself how to type because I had to do a senior exit project. And it, it, and, I, and it was like, you know, one of those things, I just, I was never gravitated towards, I didn't gravitate towards computers, right? But something what you just said was what really changed my perception as well as when I went to college and I, I got my first email address and then I was sitting in class, I was in a, a communications class and the professor said, you will need to do your presentation on Microsoft, on PowerPoint. And I said, a power mm -hmm. what? I had no idea. I mean, we, we had, I just hadn't had exposure to it. And, but when I started digging in and figuring out how to use the software, it was a whole new skill set and this, this cool thing of, of where I had the ability to tell it what to do, right? Because the computer, the software only was going to do the input that I put in. It's only going to output yeah. what I put in, right? The input. Yeah. And it, that was magical. It was my first entry into understanding how the computer works and how it can be used for good and for to create with versus just the yes. consumption of typing and getting a paper. So I like that you said that, that once you begin to see that power, it, it transforms in your brain about, oh, well, now I want to learn how to do this. Yes. Gives us a great satisfaction, especially now we have a lot of robots in the office. And, uh, you know, my, fir my first task uh, in this company was to build a robot to build a Q-Scout. And uh, it took me only 20 minutes to build it. And everybody was, like, surprised because, you know, they thought, oh, you're a girl. We gave you one hour. I said, no, I don't think I need one hour. And then after I built my first robot and after I started to use Scratch to code it, I feel like it's already part of me. It's already a friend of me. Uh, you know, it's like it has its own brain, but I know how to communicate with it. It's something that, I, you know, I'll never forget. Oh, I like the way you just said that. That's really cool because... That was, I mean, that, that really just resonated with me about that. It was something that you built. You knew what the brain is, and it's your own way to communicate with that robot and the way in, yeah. for it to do what you want it to do, whatever that creative outlet takes you. That's pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah, especially why we are so focused on robotics DIYs because we wanted to give an opportunity to children to do something that belongs to them their idea, their building, and their coding, everything is theirs, something unique. Yeah, yeah that's the part that I, okay, so let's talk a little bit about that because 
when I was connected with you all, um, I, you know, there, I've been in the world of computer science for some time and I've had exposure to different types of robotics. And to be quite honest with you, when we think about the world of computer science, there are different buckets that help me put it into perspective for individuals. One of those being like infrastructure, one of those being programming, one of those being data, one of those being digital. For me, I have always been a bit on that software development data analysis side. I have not always been a big tinkerer or using infrastructure to put things together. It, it's, I have not gravitated to that. I have liked to design and develop and, and work on the computer, but not necessarily put the computer together. But what drew me to your particular company was the, the thought process that you went into creating the DIY piece where it made it simple for young people to see how to put it together. And then once they put it together, then create it to make it their own. So talk to me a little bit about, I know that we, and we can, we can dig into the different levels of, of robotics that you're, you're providing for the, for the kids. But when you were starting to process DIY robotics kids, Talk to me about how you made that connection of how the robots would move in progression and how you stand out to me to be a bit different in the way in which the, the kids have a full holistic approach to creating that robot. Mm, okay, so when we talk about technology, um, it's something that, you know, we use every day, but it's so out of reach because nobody understands how it works, right? Especially when you explain, when you explain robotics or coding to young children, they can't follow. So the reason why we want to do, uh, we are doing what we're doing, and we wanted to make sure that uh, you know we give the chance to uh, to younger children is because we wanted to make sure that they have like a a full experience of uh, technology and coding. It's not just the you know keyboards or computer. You code your code. It's also something that you know you can touch, you can feel, you can hear. It's a three dimensional experience. So uh, I think that's very important and to give the chance to them to uh, have that connection with the, with the technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and the robots, you know, right now all the robots are industrial and you don't, you don't see a lot of uh, commercialized uh, robotics uh, products, uh, especially for family, for children. So uh, we make sure that our robots are very likable and we make sure that they are very easy to build, easy to code. And, uh, you know, we don't want to scare them away saying this is too high tech and I can't get my hands around. And so uh, that's one of the reasons that we wanted to um, to do this and to make sure it happens, to make sure that even a six-year-old can follow our instruction to build their robots and to code them. Yeah, I like the way the first robot that you have um, is the snail that yeah. they that that one they're not building so much that one comes already put together is that correct or do they build that one uh, so uh, for Kobo you don't have to build it uh, for Kobo it's a um, open and play robot robot yeah but what I like about what you've done with that is uh, a, a lot of the work that I do in helping 
educators and parents better understand what it means to be in the world of computer science, understand the process of coding, is walking through computational thinking, understanding the basic communication between what is a variable, what is a loop, what is um, a conditional statement. And I think that you guys do a great job of explaining that with the um, your initial robot by putting forth challenges. They still can code it, but they walk through the basics of solving a problem, the basics of understanding if they intertwine different variables, the basics of understanding if I make a maze here, then I've got to code my snail to do X, Y, or Z. And mm -hmm. that at the core helps them get ready to move to the next step, which is then building their own robot. Yes. And uh, also, uh, as I mentioned in our other meetings, uh, we turned Scratch into physical cards, right? So for, uh, for three-year-olds, they know how to, uh, you know, coding for them will be just arranging cards on the table and we will give them tasks, we give them a goal, we give them like a, a certain uh, destination so they will code this little robot to, uh, you know, certain destination and certain route. So um, I really think that it's an enlightenment for younger children to understand the basics of robotics and coding. And, uh, you know, we make sure uh, all those logics, um, you know, you see in Scratch are also in our cards. Yes, I agree. And let me just make a note that Scratch is a block, pro, uh, a block code programming language. It's called Scratch, S-C-R-A-T-C-H dot M-I-T dot E-D-U. It was developed at one of the, um, at the MIT Development Lab, and it has been a very powerful tool in teaching young children how to code and understanding the logic behind it because they use blocks to drag over and create the code. Um, and one of the things that's so great about the software and, and over time as it has developed is initially it was there on the screen and you could, you know, develop gaming or you move your sprites around. But now as over time, you can now connect um, gadgets and gadgets to it to use it to help program. So it's very powerful. It works really well in terms of syncing with things like a Makey Makey with, with the RoboBlocks. Um, I've used it on things like Dot and Dash and a variety of other different types of robots. Um, but for these in particular, the other piece that I thought that you all did a really great job in is the design of the actual robotic itself. So one of the things Nicole mentioned was, you know, for a while, and really even now, robotics has really been on a, on a commercial level. And to bring it down to something where we, on a personal level, can understand, you know, it can be a bit of a challenge because let's be very honest, robotics has, is a computer. It's not a person. <laughs> so figuring out how to make it so that it's intriguing for us, for us um, is it can be a bit of a challenge. I mean, I've used different things like the Spiro, which is just a round ball, or even a dot and dash that looks with a round ball on top and you've got a square body, et cetera. But one of the things that you all have done so well is create robots that have um, – really cool design 
and um, they resonate with children. In particular, there's one, uh, the Q Scout we can talk a little bit about, but the other ones that you have, the Dino robot, which immediately my six-year-old son was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Without, I mean, he didn't even hesitate. And I thought that was, it spoke volumes because he's actually not a super techie kid, right? Where he, even though I, we do all kinds of things together, he doesn't necessarily want to do as much on the computer. So I thought that was a huge statement. So tell me a little bit about how you guys came up with the thought process of your designs for your different levels that you, for age groups, meaning, you know, in terms of what would resonate with them. Okay, so right now we have five main products and also we provide 40 different uh, sensors and modules and uh, the uh, thinking process of uh, designing all of our products is that we wanted to make them cute. We want to make them friendly, cute, adorable, and mm -hmm. we wanted to make them, you know, very easy for children to connect, have that personal connection. Like, uh, you know, the, uh, the first product uh, for the age group of uh, three years old to eight years old, that's Cobalt. Cobalt is shaped like a little snail, right? And it has uh, lights, yeah, it, it can dance, it sings, and it has sensors on his face. And it, if you touch his face, it giggles. And if you just shake it, and it will make the dizzy sounds. So every time when we go to a trade show, every time when Kobo shows up, everybody just loves that little design, thinking that such a cute little robot. Is this really a robot? And once we put, put Kobo on the cars, it started to programming. It started to make like, if Apple uh, girl go left, if banana go uh, right, that sound. And people realize, wow, it is coding. It is right now coding. And so, uh, for a three-year-old, for them, we don't want it to make make it too high tech. We wanted to make sure that they think Kobo is their own pet or their own friend, right? And for Q Scout and Coopers, those are a little more, a little bit more high uh, advanced. But Coopers, uh, Q Scout is an entry level one. So the uh, this one, we gave it two sensors. One is the ultrasonic sensor. One is line tracking sensor. And we made the ultrasonic sensor shaped like a pair of eyes. So it's not just, a, you know, the cold metal machines. Like, you see, it has eyes, and his eyes can glow, and it, it winks. And then we gave it a smiley face. And so we made it compatible with, uh, you know, other, uh, you know, mainstream building blocks. So you can use everything in the house to transform it a little bit. And so, you know, sensors and the modules are robotics one-on-one, one-on-one. So with uh, Q, Q Scouts, his mission is to help children to understand the basics of robotics. And then they get engaged, they like this little robot, and then they wanted to learn more about it. They wanted to play with it more. And then once they are familiar with this robot, with the coding process, with the main board, with the sensor, then they can move on to like Q-Dino and, you know, Q-Elephant and Q-Coopers. So we have a very specific levels, right, like uh, a stairs. 
And once you're on this stage, we have this product, we, we have this product for this age. So we're covering from three to 18 years old. And you know, like, uh, you know, for a little bit older than you go to Cooper's. Cooper's is a 61 robotics kit. And it, we offer 175 pieces. And that's a lot of pieces. So it's not a one-man project. You know, right. a lot of, yeah, a lot of those uh, schools purchase this. We encourage them to make it a project, a group project. So everybody can get their hands dirty to, uh, you know, learn teamwork, to learn robotics, and to learn how to work with each other, right? And a cute dino, like you said, yeah, everybody likes a dinosaur. Right. And, uh, you know, you won't find another dinosaur robot that you can cope with on the market. That's, the only That's one. exactly what I thought, too. When I saw it, I thought, oh, my goodness, I haven't seen anything where you yourself can code. I, I mean, I've seen other, like, general, like, he got a light-up robot where we could see the sensors, but we couldn't code with it at all. I mean, we just yeah. pushed some buttons and made it. So it, he wasn't really able to make it his own. And that was the part that he was so excited about. And I know he's not quite ready for that yet, but that piece was really the fact that he lit up the way he did was exciting for me. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a cute dino is a dinosaur, and you can code it to do certain things. His hands is wiggling, and his eyes is flashing. You can code with different colors, and also his jars open and close. Yeah, it's a very cute robot. It's mm -hmm. not just some, you know, very cold machine, but it's something that you look into his eyes and know that there's some kind of character in it. Yeah, I agree with you. And that was the part that also drew me to your products was the way in which, and I, and I like the way you explained that, that you wanted it to be cute. You wanted it to be, and not to sound cutesy, but you wanted it to be something that young kids would be attracted to and understand. And I want us to talk a little bit about the basics of robotics when we come back. We're going to take a quick break here in just a minute, but uh, what, there was a couple things you mentioned about the sensors and the boards, and so I'd like for you to talk just briefly when we come back about some of the basics around robotics, and then let's dig in a little bit about where we see the future of this going and how the structure of the way you have set up your company will help continue to lead and innovate in that world of education because the other thing that you mentioned that I thought was really um, distinctive is you have thoughtfully laid out the the age group and the age appropriate robot that falls into that area where they're cognitively ready to develop with that particular um, robotic measures and, and, and what you put forth. So when we come back, we're going to have more with Nicole. She's going to tell us a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about robotics and where it's going. And then we'll also talk about how this is really helping to transform education, not just in the U.S., but in other uh, education systems around the world. So stay with us. We'll be right back. From face-to-face -face training to blended training techniques, the DOT Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed, 
and quality of the expertise in your organization. The Dot Consulting, a new level of tech savvy. Visit the dotconsulting.co. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. We invite you to connect with the show today by calling in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Sharon at the.consulting.co. Now, back to Coding the Future. Welcome back to Coding the Future. We are having in a wonderful conversation with Nicole Wan, who is the co-founder of Roboblocks. And the entire company is focused around moving STEM forward in the field of robotics and creating an opportunity for young people and adults alike, because let's be honest, we like to play too when we're still adults, and understand the concept behind a DIY robot robot, and how they are changing the perception and, and perspective around kids building their own robots, understanding the process from start to finish. And before we went on break, Nicole, we were talking a bit about each of your products, and you mentioned that in particular, when the young people move from the uh, intro-level robotic, which is your cute snail, um, to Q-Scout, that when they make that transition, they begin to learn the basics of robotics. Could you outline maybe three concepts that you see as the core basics of robotics that would help our listeners understand the pieces that come together to make an inanimate object move and light up and have some kind of personality. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think the first thing that you can learn would be DIY, right? So from, you know, just buying a robot, uh, something that uh, comes as a whole, we provide a kit and we open it. We have all the pieces laid out for you. We even provide like a, a screwdriver and we provide all the nails, we provide the instructions and you don't even have to, you know, you, you don't have to follow our instruction. You decide how you want a robot to be. Well, first of all, if this is entrance level ones and if the children is six or five, well, they can definitely follow the instruction. But we wanted to provide this so you have a chance to make it unique. So this is why we wanted to do the robotics DIY. And secondly, I think that uh, you can learn, uh, you know, physical coding, like uh, from COBO. COBO is what we call the tangible coding, right? Tangible coding is that, you know, you... Uh, you code with arranging cards and something that you can see, you can hear, you can touch. And then that's one thing that, uh, you know, for especially for pre-K students, 
to engage in STEM world. I think that's very important for them to have a full experience. So that's what we, we have for like a physical coding. And another thing is sensors. I think the sensors are very important because sensors are like, like I said, I always say that it's robotics 101. And you know, we, you go out, you leave the house or inside the house, everything is about sensors. You know, we built like a mini parking lot. People say, what's so special about mini parking, uh, parking lot? But do you know how does it work? Why the bar raised? Why the bar closed? How how does the numbers minors and add, you know is? And this is all because of code, because of maybe using an ultrasonic sensor, using a digital tube, then you can build a mini parking lot, right? And we even have like a, a like a record player uh, because we we use the MP3 module and with like a, a color sensor. If it's red, then play music. If it's uh, yellow, then pause the music. So sensors are so important for robotics, and no matter what you use in, in this world, is sensors, is robotics. A lot of people don't realize that. No, I would agree with you. And I think sometimes we forget that. I love the example of the parking lot where the bar, the bar, especially if you go a place where you don't have like sometimes in the U.S. a lot of times we'll have a tenant, but that's not always true anymore. But there is, it's a sensor that, that knows when you roll up that once you yes. pay, then the bar is going to open. I really like that you said that. The other piece I was thinking too, um, sensors fall into things with like the internet of things, IOT, that we use in terms of like if you've got a Fitbit, um, that yeah. there's a sensor on that that is going to sense how many steps you're taking. Um, I was also thinking too about even with some of the smart home technology where, yeah. you know, it senses when you turn the lights off or when you turn the lights on, or, you know, it'll um, sense sunset, sunrise, those kinds of things. Um, yeah. Or even um, irrigation systems, sensing when the soil gets too dry and then turns the irrigation. Now, some of that you can time and, and figure out, but I like that you brought that up because sometimes we don't realize that that's, and that's actually been around for a long time. I mean. Yeah, we're surrounded by sensories. We just don't know it yet. Right. The other thing that you mentioned too was understanding, you know, so you mentioned before about the robot having a brain and that brain is where you help to control. The brain is usually what we call like the breadboard or the where all of the yeah, sensors the start to connect. Yes. So can you explain a little yeah. bit about what that looks like in your, you know, and how y'all have integrated that into your products? Okay, so yeah, so we have a main board. Uh, each of our robots has a main board. And for entrance levels, uh, QScout has six ports. And so you can add at least six different, uh, you know, sensors, right? And then for like a QScout, uh, Coopers, we have eight different ports. So you can add eight modules or sensors to it. So um, we just wanted to provide uh, as many as many opportunities or as many chance for you to try out as possible. And, uh, you know, that's just a, a membord is the one thing that connects your robot and to make sure the functions can definitely run smoothly with your uh, sensors. Right. So it's, it's the, the brain. I'm going to put my quotation it's marks the brain, the brain yes. piece and then you connect the sensor yeah. and then that using your, um, 
technology connects to your software where there's an app or you can get on to the computer to be able to connect the robot to your software yeah. so you can start coding it to have there. And that's a, a connection to a, a wireless connection between what you have created on your, the connection on the hardware that then connects to the software. Yes, yes. So that's the part that uh, receives and gives command. Correct. So we talked a little bit about um, before too. One thing about when, in robotics, it's also a simple 101, is what you put in is what you're going to get out. So it's an input-output. Yes. So you, as the human, have the power to input into that bre the, the board and the sensor what you want it to do, and then the robot will then output what you have put in. Yes, that's which how you communicate helps. with the robot. Yeah. yeah, it makes it more simple to me. It's like anything else, like you and I having a conversation, I can ask a question, and then you're going to respond based on the question that I asked. Now, we're a little more complex yeah. than a robot, but same general purpose. So I'd like to ask you, you know, you all have uh, thoughtfully put this, these robots together. You have really put forth a new concept around the DIY robotics um, area. Where do you see not only the company moving, but where do you see robotics going over the next few years for young people in education? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Because I, I think, you know, of course, the sky's the limit. But, you know, what, what do you think? Uh, I like to think a little bit ahead. I like to think maybe not just the next couple of years, but the next couple of decades, right? And I always tell my friends, and uh, I always say that in the future, uh, we not only we will need to compete with our peers, but we also will have to compete with the robots. And a lot of those jobs will be uh, taken by robots. And the way to stay ahead is to learn them, is to learn how to work with them, is to learn how to operate them, is to learn how to code them. So I think that in the next few years, uh, it's very important for us to understand that that is coming. You know, there are two group of people. One said that, oh, I, I'm terrified that would happen. And one said, I look forward to it. And we wanted to be on the latter side, right? We wanted to say that it's coming no matter you want it or not. So better get ahead to learn their language, to learn how it works, to be the master of robots. And I think that in the next few years, education is going to be more important than ever, especially on the STEM and the robotics side, because we wanted to prepare our children for that era, you know, because we wanted to make sure that they stay ahead, they become the master, they don't get replaced easily by them, they know the language, because, uh, you know, right now the world language is English, and it, it won't take much longer for uh, us to realize there's another world language is computer language, right? So I think in the next few years, people are going to realize how important it is to learn coding. Maybe just learn the basics that would help. Yeah. I mean, literally my, my hairs are standing up on my, on my arm because I, <laughs> you said that so beautifully. And I think that because that's what I've been saying for years that, you know, technology is going to go hand in hand with us as we move forward. There, we, they've, 
dubbed it the technological revolution where, you know, we had the industrial revolution where that transformed the way in which we produced products and lived and uh, made, you know, gave a lot of uh, forefront into our modern world. But now the technological piece is going to be propelling us to the next many hundred years. So I love the way you said that, that the world language right now is English, but we need to be aware that the other part that's going to be a big driver as we move forward is computer languages and understanding how the computer works. And this is the other piece to this. You do not have to be an expert in every computer programming language. Like that's not even something, like we're not all experts in English and Spanish and French or, or Chinese or Mandarin or whatever it is, but learning and understanding the basics of how it works is so important. And so I like that you touched on that and even the ability to be able to start with programming something like Scratch where it is block coding and you're learning the basics is so important so you understand how the computer responds to the code that you put in. Yeah. You don't need to understand how it works exactly because we have engineers, we have scientists for that. But it's very important that you know how you you know how to manage it, like how you turn on your TV, how you use your rice cooker, and how you turn on the laundry machine. And you know, before probably like a hundred years ago, nobody knows how to do that. And you know, we we went along with the process and now we are using machines every day. So I guess it's very important for us to understand the basics. So how do you see RoboBlocks uh, continuing to play a role in revolutionizing the way in which we interact with robotics? And I say that as uh, in terms of uh, providing them this DIY experience, giving them the opportunity to really create instead of just consume. What's on the horizon for you all as you continue to innovate in this space? Okay, so right now we invested heavily in robotics and our next move is to uh, transform ourselves a little bit more on the artificial intelligence side. And uh, uh, as I introduced our product to you before, we are trying to make our robots connect with Amazon Alexa and to connect with other artificial intelligence services and systems. Uh, so. Uh, we think that uh, only robotics, it, you know how it works, you know how the Marshall works. And the coding and also artificial intelligence is how the brain works, like a, a human, right? So uh, we wanted to um, put the artificial intelligence uh, plan on the agenda to uh, Offer like you're very you like our product. One of the very very important reasons because we can we allow um, users to code with Python, right? And so we wanted to make all our robots uh, compatible with Python, Python, and compatible with uh, you know microbeads and all the new stuff. So uh, we are also working on making uh, curriculums, not just teaching kids how to build robots and how to code robots with, uh, you know, Scratch, with Python, and then we're making online tutorials to teach them how to, how to code, especially during this uh, COVID-19 situation. We offer, like, uh, learn coding at home programs, and so not just... A, 
right now we are manufacturer and designer of robots and eventually we want to also to provide services like uh, teaching uh, them how to code and how to use different languages to code different robots. So uh, robotics and artificial intelligence combined, that will be the goal. Yeah, I love that you said that because artificial intelligence in, uh, is really the a key word or a, that we're hearing right now on a regular basis and that movement towards creating robotics that has more of a human-like meaning is really where I, I think we're heading over the next few years. I mean, well, we're already really there, but really becoming more mainstream. I mean, obviously, Alexa is already a part of our lives. It's, a, it's really a part of our vocabulary now, um, or Google Home, or whatever you've chosen. But um, I think that that's really important to be able to provide the, that opportunity for kids to learn how to mm-hmm. understand what is artificial intelligence and not be scared of it. That's the other piece. I think sometimes we get a little nervous around mm-hmm. what you also mentioned some time ago about that, you know, robots are going to take over some, they, they are going to take over some of the jobs that we have coming. Um, not everything, that's not even going to be possible, right? I mean, we're, we're still going to be the driving force behind it. But again, the part that I think we need, we keep reiterating is that opportunity for individuals to create and not just consume, meaning we are giving them opportunity to take something and make it their own and then once they've physically created it, give them a path where they can then code it or give it some brain power based on our own input of what we want that robot to do. Yeah, and uh, so our next product, I can you know share with you a secret with a quotation mark. Uh, we, we have a new product coming out very soon, and we're going to make uh, this robot recognize human's face, right? So if, like, you are his uh, um, friend, you are his owner, then this little robot has a camera on the head, and it can recognize you and to greet you and to talk with you, to interact with you. So that's, that's what we call the uh, artificial intelligence. Robots is going to, you know, be a lot like us in a short uh, future, right? It won't. It will be just like a friend that you can talk to, you can interact to. It won't be just so industrial right now. So uh, we wanted to make products that, uh, you know, bring uh, robotics and human more close with each other. Yes, I completely agree with you. And I think that that's coming much quicker than we even anticipated that that would be coming. As you think about the work that you've done thus far, you are learning Python and understanding the basics behind what it means to code. What's next for you, Nicole? What do you, I mean, I know, I know you're here with RoboBlocks, but in terms of what's next for you to learn yourself, you, you're learning Python, you're being a part of the development team. What do you, where do you see yourself in terms of preparing yourself to be ready to understand the next generation of robotics? What are you going to do to um, up your skill set? Mm, okay, so uh, like I said, that the uh, computer language is going to be another world language and I feel that uh, you know 
I have the privilege to work for a company that is engaged in this field. And so I am going to try my best to learn Python really well to be able to compute, communicate with my robots the way I wanted to. And so that will be the next move for me. And also on the career side, I think that, you know, I wanted to help more children and I wanted to help more school to uh, teach robotics and to teach uh, artifactual intelligence. So I would definitely reach out to more schools and to tell them that we have this amazing product and that we have the program we wanted to work with them. And, uh, you know, especially in America, you know, because um, our main markets are in, you know, Latin America, uh, Europe, and North America, and Africa, and we're doing really well in South America. We sold like uh, more than 100,000 units uh, to Argentina last year alone. And I think that it's such an inspiring and encouraging uh, thing to see that now governments are taking a very big interest in uh, robotics and STEM, right? And the United States is so far ahead, just Europe is the same way. So we think that in, in this kind of climate, uh, in this kind of environment, uh, we have a chance to uh, prepare or equip our schools and children better. So we wanted to uh, make more beautiful and great products and to provide that kind of opportunity to be in the front line and to help and to contribute to this STEAM community. And I think you're doing that really well. And I think the ability, the pieces that I see here that are important for us to, to think about and recap is that robotics is it has been around for a long time. And the way in which the field has developed is mostly been in the commercial sector. On the personal level, we have not had as many robots in our world, but that's beginning to change. And what you are providing for students is that elevated hands-on experience that they need to really become creators. And I know I mentioned that over and over again, but I notice so often how easy it is for us to fall into just consuming and not really thinking about the who, what, when, why, and how behind something was created. I'm not saying that consumption is not always a great thing. Of course, sometimes you just want to turn the TV on and just watch, right? Or you just want to get on your computer and surf or use an app. And that is absolutely a-okay. That's, that's part of the process. We want to do that. But we want to spark curiosity. And not just even like with our students. I, I think about the, the, the way you have developed your product is really great for even adults, for adults that are curious about how to start tinkering and understanding what it is. And it's something you can do with your kids or something you could just learn on your own because the pricing is reasonable. It's not over the top where you're going to not be able, you're not going to waste your entire paycheck on purchasing this. That's the other thing that I think has often been a barrier for many individuals is that that understanding of all the different parts and pieces of what creates that robotic or infrastructure pieces has been very expensive. And this, you are offering an opportunity for an easy entry into building, understanding. You can leverage Scratch, which is that block programming piece, or Python, which right now is one of the highest trending programming languages out there, and it's very simple to learn. Got a pretty basic syntax. And once you learn the basics of adding the semicolon and a colon and some you know, some brackets in quote, uh, parentheses, you begin to get the feel of, of that language. And this is a, 
again, another way. The other piece that I think is really important to mention here is that when you are learning to program, where I have found the most success with, with children and adults is there has to be an application for that coding. So to sit down and just say, oh, I'm going to learn Python, some people can do that. You know, some people can, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't. But to be able to learn the language while applying it to do something, that's the mm-hmm. difference. Because yeah. then it becomes real and you understand the purpose of why. And that's where I think this is really, it's elevating that conversation. It's a full circle. You have to problem solve. You've got to find patterns. You've got to abstract out what you don't need and create that algorithm that allows you to build the robot and then make that robot do something. That's really powerful. Yeah. Not just a two-dimensional practice, but a three-dimensional play. I like the way you said that too. So I'd like to share with our listeners, where can they find out information about the product? How can they order it? Um, is there a place for them to follow you, etc.? Yeah, um, if you are interested in our product, the product, a robot, you can visit roboblock.com to find all the information you need. And if you are interested in purchase, we have a store, uh, shop.roboblock.com, that you can purchase all the robots. And if you are school or, uh, you know, you're head of the uh, training facility, reach out to us. We can even offer you uh, all the curriculums for free. So you, you don't have to come up with the ideas and the complicated questions. You can easily adapt these uh, curriculums and start teaching right away. And this is all free. Yeah. So, and the website is R-O-B-O-B-L-O-Q.com. Yeah, I want to make sure I say that yes. because yeah. um, I like the way. And then they use the Q for play on word for in most of the naming of their robots. So that helps. Um, it, it's, a, it's a very nice flow there. So R-O-B-O-B-L-O-Q is yes. roboblocks.com. And you can find out more information there about how they are selling and implementing implementing the this curriculum around the world, or just for fun. We have purchased two of them ourselves here at the Jones household, and we'll be developing um, our own Q Scout and Q Dino. And then, in addition. Um, the company has been so generous and has partnered with myself and my nonprofit, the Dottie Rose Foundation, where we support girls in computer science. And we will be using their product for our very own RoboBuild um, camp and utilizing their curriculum and the opportunity for the young girls, uh, for girls to have the chance to create their own robot, which I'm really, really excited about. And the opportunity to continue to be a part of their innovation and development in this world of education and um, furthering the exposure to kids in connecting software, robotics, infrastructure all together and how, and how that works. So, Nicole, I want to thank you so much for being a part of the show today and providing your insight and your expertise. And I'm so impressed with how your company has created such a great platform and, and, and a way for kids to 
not to, to decrease that barrier of the fear of robotics. I think you guys have just done a marvelous job with that. And I'm very much looking forward to continue conversation and partnership with you all. And I, my action item today for all of our listeners is to check out roboblocks.com and see what they have to offer. I think you're going to be so very impressed and excited. And I think your kids will be excited about it too. Anything else you want to add, yes. Nicole, before we head out for the day? Yeah, one, one last uh, advice or, you know, a piece of heart would be learn coding. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Step one. And there are lots of different ways to do that. I mean, we mentioned Scratch, which is a really low, um, in, low entry into it, so you get the feel for it. Um, and then and using that to do something like here with building the robot or, or using it for a purpose. But thank you so much again. Again, the website is Robo. R-O-B-O-B-L-O-Q.com. And then if you want to find out more about the work that we're doing together um, with our partnership, you can find out more at DottieRoseFoundation.org. And we have a, an entire after-school camp. We'll be teaching the kids how to build with these great robots and then code them. And then if you are interested in having a conversation around putting this in your schools, you can reach out to me at the .consulting.co. And then uh, Nicole... And I will make sure Nicole gets your information and, or you can go, of course, go to roboblocks.com and find that information. But if you're looking for some support and how that can look in your school, let us know. And thank you again, Nicole. And we will see you on the next episode um, of Coding the Future. Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then.